0: June 30th, 1906. Congress passes the Meat Inspection Act. The next day, Amber Crabby launches its line of official meat inspector bonnets. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. Sorry, that was I'm so sec- dumb. I'm Zach Powers. Uh, We're not supposed and-
1: to comment on the opening note, Brian. It's a very sac- uh, sacrosanct section of the podcast that's disconnected from everything else
0: (laughs) maybe Uh, one day i I should like literally contribute anything and write one of those i know i keep i keep forgetting to like i literally just go through wikipedia's list of shit that happened that day in history and i'm just like this looks like it can be something Um, (laughs) Yeah. our guest our guest this episode is a newcomer to the show and a newcomer uh and a newcomer <laughs> uh, to the city of Denver. Uh, please welcome Josh Masek, everyone. Hi, hello. Josh, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having uh, me, I didn't mean to impugn your uh, so, coming abilities. Sometimes I come new, yeah, right? that's a fact.
1: <laughs> I mean, I do have to, because of that intro, ask a couple of questions. questions. Um, whereabouts non-Denver are you from? And two... How recently did you learn to masturbate?
2: <laughs> well, I'll answer your second question with, uh, first. Uh, I learned first to masturbate in Omaha, Nebraska, which is where I was born. Um, <laughs> uh, I went to college here in Denver, and then <laughs> also masturbated in Denver, quite profusely, perhaps more. Okay. And then um, moved to Portland, Oregon for a couple of years. That's where I started stand-up. And
0: oh, the real masturbation.
2: Yes, yeah, that was where the real self-masturbation happened. Um, and then moved back to Denver, uh, this past
0: winter, and here I am. All right. And we're glad you're here. Um, listeners, if you're new to this, to this show, we don't usually yeah, talk uh, about people's first masturbatory experiences.
1: Well, it was the way you phrased it. Although, kind of, yes, we, I feel like we come pretty close almost every episode. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> we just led with Regardless, it Regardless. Uh,
1: Yeah, that's usually, this, that's usually
0: on the pre-show.
1: If you're... If you're jumping in for the first time, um <laughs> this is uh this is a podcast where myself and Brian and a guest uh examine uh, in great detail a person or event from history and then uh present a thoroughly researched asterisk you perusal of Wikipedia account.
0: <laughs> don't
1: don't pull of, back the uh, curtain
2: too much. The old
1: college try. <laughs> of uh, the real account of that person or place or event. And then uh, we also present a batshit crazy alternate version that could have androids or ninjas or gender parody, any fantastical (laughs) concept you could come up with.
0: Man, I knew you were going for something with that rule of three there. (laughs) Um,
1: And at the end of the episode, we vote on which becomes the true history of the world going forward. And you may remember that last time we discussed philosopher Bertrand Russell. uh, And while we got a lovely alternate history that featured him as an amalgamation of Tyler Durden from Fight Club and the dude from the Big Lebowski, uh, apparently our voters are not the 20-something white dudes who vote on the best films on IMDb because (laughs) that lost... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh the true history of bertrand russell won out in the end
0: <laughs> but thank you to uh, natalia Kavalam for that
1: um, yep this? this week um in honor a man who uh, took great pains and took great care in the goings-on uh of the middle east in honor of the region of the world, the Supreme Court says can no longer come to the United States. To, as of today, we are discussing <laughs> yeah. T.E. Lawrence, a.k.a. Lawrence of Arabia.
0: Yeah. And uh, listeners, just a business note. This will be our last World War One episode or World War One adjacent episode. And we have uh, a very special episode coming up. And then... A series of very special episodes, which kind of reduces their specialness, actually, now that I think about it, um, where we will be looking at different Jack the Ripper suspects, uh, and that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so, Did Ted Cruz make the list? <laughs> no. no uh, too young, sadly. Um, oh, although, would fits the profile perfectly otherwise.
1: Deeply unsurprised if there was a, an alternate history where one of the
0: suspects was an immortal who eventually became Ted Cruz. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I mean, that would actually kind of work if he became the Zodiac killer, then became Ted Cruz. Yeah. uh, Then became Immortan Joe or whatever happens after this. (laughs) Uh,
1: I feel like, I feel like Ted Cruz does not have the chutzpah to be Immortan Joe. He's like one of the, the toadier war boys yeah. were like kind of upper level, yeah, but he's not still like
2: mid nuts. management. Yeah, yeah war he's boy. A, yeah.
0: He's a mid. He's a middle management war boy. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> got by on his connections. Never really put in. Never
0: really he, put in the work. You know, <laughs> he is mediocre, as uh, as one would say. As, uh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Also, side note: I I joke a lot about my uh, Irish heritage because it's fun to make fun of Irish people um because really they deserve it um but also I should mention to listeners uh I am mo- more Lebanese than I am Irish
1: uh Oh okay so am I just getting you're laying the groundwork for all of the jokes at the expense of Arab people no, you're about no, to make in this episode I'm saying
0: that to say Look I'm not going to make any jokes about Arab people but uh we're we're not we're not monsters uh Josh
2: <laughs> Oh, and uh, this is Josh Masek speaking And I am also Lebanese Brian and I just found out Because we're both so light-skinned That neither of us knew that Yeah, um,
0: <laughs> That's the thing we, uh, we have all the privilege of being white uh, That Except protects us airport. from the harassment Of being
1: <laughs> I, and I am here to announce That I am just totally white so i
0: am in fact a monster (laughs) in case you were wondering and i am
2: laying the groundwork to make fun of the Arab people so yes i'll just lead with my best foot forward
1: we
0: have our foibles um Uh,
1: i think uh if i remember correctly and i didn't check the group chat before this brian is doing the true history of uh, mr Mm -hmm. lawrence Mm -hmm. all right well uh, brian if you're ready i think you can take it away
2: I would just like to take a moment to acknowledge Brian's scholarly handwriting that oh, looks yeah. like it's out of actually from a history book.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah, I uh, my my handwriting looks like it's from an uh, from a history book cuz it says Irish need not apply over and over. <laughs> so, uh to set the That's a,
1: that's something Brian Brian tells himself as an excuse for not
0: trying. <laughs> <laughs> Never had a chance, man. <laughs> Hey there, this is Brian, reminding you that The Revisionist is supported by listeners just like you. You can make a pledge and get rewards like shirts and even the right to vote over at patreon.com slash the revisionists. So set stage um, a little bit. Uh, in 2011, uh, the Syrian civil war broke out in the city of uh, Dara'a. Uh, but nearly 100 years before that... Uh, A man was imprisoned there, and his life and work would be tied into the region for over a century, and it would continue even today. Just slightly over a century later. Yes, slightly (laughs) over a century later. (laughs)
1: He would be relevant for a century and on to today, seven years after a century. (laughs) One
0: hundred and seven (laughs) years later. And ticking. (laughs) Yeah, which is called a century plus seven. Um, (laughs) and who knows maybe this will be the end of it um
1: yeah 108 years after we're forgetting about him he's done
0: (laughs) burn all the copies of the movie (laughs) (laughs) so t.e lawrence uh which i believe stands for thomas edward but i forgot to write that down um was born in 1888 in uh tremadoc wales i believe Uh, It's Welsh Who knows how the fuck you pronounce that It doesn't matter Um, (laughs) No one likes the Welsh (laughs) Exactly I should say It
1: is, I can confirm Thomas Edward Thank you
0: Uh, I should say I got most of my information for this true history From uh, a report in smithsonian.com Real Lawrence of Arabia uh, By a dude whose name I can't remember Because I forgot to bring it into the room with me Uh, um, I have mementos disease um he was the second of five illegitimate sons. Uh his uh father, Sir Thomas Chapman, uh fell in love with the family's governess, Sarah Junner, uh, and they uh ran off together. Oh and uh took the name Lawrence and never officially married. Did you say Jenner or Jenner? Jenner? <laughs> Jenner. Junner J-U-N-N-E-R. Like okay. Runner with a J. First name Bruce. Unrelated yeah. unrelated to the popular <laughs> Christ, yeah. social
1: reality television show family. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um,
0: man, this would make a great reality show. And I'm so mad at myself for saying that sentence. Um, <laughs> so he, when he was a kid, he was into history. Uh, I like to think he would have been a fan.
1: I think... Patreon I Patreon subscriber, just, perhaps. Yeah. Would it be called, perhaps... <laughs> Uh, I'm a military officer get me out of here
0: (laughs) (laughs) yep yeah exactly Um, so he uh, he went to Oxford and for his thesis uh, he went to Syria on a trip to uh, study crusader castles and while he was there uh, he walked the whole way uh, over 1200 miles to visit all of these sites and sort of um fell fell in love with the place and the culture there's a lot of cultural appropriation (laughs) that happens with t.e lawrence (laughs) um it's part of the mixed bag that is his life um so but when i say he fell in love i'm sure that's something he genuinely felt like was happening um he did write home uh quote he's i mean to be fair like uh Cultural
1: appropriation, I think, was a concept that may not have existed at
0: the time. <laughs> no, that was that was just called England at the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. it was called the British Museum.
1: <laughs> Colonial. Yeah, usually when they say cultural, like a cultural appropriation, is less about like actually loving the culture and mostly just about subjugating it at the time. Yeah. So, comparatively speaking, yeah,
0: he was he was ahead of his time uh, <laughs> yeah. in more ways than one. He did write home, quote, "I will have such difficulty in becoming English again, which is a very English sentence structure um but he becomes a professional archaeologist um he uh He runs a very large dig at a a place called uh uh studying Hittite ruins uh but when he was there, compared to a lot of the other foreigners, he learned arabic uh he would quiz like the uh the local workers. On their family histories uh, and like the the way when you say quiz them on it yeah that that's uh, what the article said that is like a direct copy paste on my part not like an inquisition way (laughs) no he uh, he he asked them about their family histories I guess
1: yeah it's not like he researched them independently and then showed up to the dig it was like
0: by the way I have questions about your family this is the weirdest test ever
1: Um, right but, hey uh, Jerry, he, do you know who he, you're related to? <laughs> <laughs> I took 23 and me for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, that was when there was one set of footprints. That was me swabbing your cheek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's anyway. Uh, he learned about the region's like clan and like family and tribal ties and structures. Um, which uh, like is a different relationship than other Westerners, and he became very anti-Ottoman uh, Turks. Not not the furniture. Uh, he viewed them as oppressors. Uh, God, I'm so close to being a dad with that sort of with that sort of shit coming. Oh, out. there's uh, an Ottoman like, joke in my story too. Don't okay, worry. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> one pair of cargo shorts away from having a child. Um. Uh, he viewed the Ottomans as an oppressive government. Uh. And because there was a cultural difference between the Turks and the Arabs, uh, he viewed them as sort of an invasive presence, as did the Arabs. Um, and then World War I happens, the thing we've been talking about for forever. Um, and because of his experience in the region, uh, Lawrence is dispatched to Cairo as a second lieutenant for military intelligence.
2: Even though that's in North Africa, yeah, yeah. So,
0: but that's where that's where the British were. So it's the proper British. Uh, it's got
2: sand. We'll station them there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck it.
0: They were actually they originally stationed them in Wildwood, New Jersey's beach, uh, <laughs> thinking that was Arabia. Um, the presence of saltwater taffy kind of clued them in after eight months, um, but he advocated forming alliances with uh the arabs who were rebelling against the turks uh but the military uh wanted a very traditional frontal assault against the turks uh which led to the gallipoli campaign uh which was a oh, what a joyfully named campaign gallipoli (laughs) thousands died Um, <laughs> Trench I'm fan. editing dun, that dun, the dun. fuck out <laughs> um, So uh, His two brothers I, th-
1: I, I would say I mean I thought Gallipoli Sounded like like The catchphrase for like the 15th Doctor Who
0: <laughs> When they've definitely run out of ideas <laughs> <laughs> It was actually one of the uh, rejected Versions of Bazinga I believe mm-hmm. um, so uh his two brothers are killed on the western front while he's sort of wasting away in Cairo. But then Emir Hussein, who is the uh ruler of the Hejaz. Which no he, relation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, who knows. Uh Lawrence would have known because he would have quizzed him. Uh which is sort of the region along the uh the western coast of what is today Saudi Arabia that includes like Mecca and uh uh Medina, Jeddah, uh all of that. Up through like the Sinai, basically, uh, Emir Hussein leads uh, an Arab uprising against the Turks, uh, seized Mecca and uh, and Jeddah. But then the the uprising's floundering a little bit. So uh, the British dispatch a friend of Lawrence's to observe the rebellion, I guess, uh, and Lawrence uh, asked to go along. And over a period of ten days, uh, Lawrence gained the confidence of Hussein and his son Faisal, uh, who was Hussein's general. Prince Faisal, right? Uh, Prince Faisal. Later, uh, King Faisal. um, Spoiler alert. And became (laughs) the official British liaison to Faisal. Um, And the fact that he knew sort of Arab culture uh, to a greater extent than most Europeans meant he could help negotiate.
1: I just love... I hope there is somewhere in the world, someone who is angry that you spoiled, who would be the king of Iraq in 1924.
0: <laughs> I know. I want that. I want that person to exist and to write us a letter. Um, I want to I want to hear from that person um, who probably spends no time on Reddit at all. Um, <laughs> So while he's negotiating with these Arab tribes and bringing them into the rebellion, uh he is making them uh the promise that the British will guarantee after the war a unified arab state um free of uh free and independent uh but at the same time he's promising this, he knows of the existence of the sykes pico agreement
2: um A nice wine from France. Yes, a nice wine,
0: uh, red for all the blood it will cause. Um, Sykes-Picot was a secret agreement between Britain and France um, that basically said after World War I, uh, they would divide up the conquered Ottoman territory and the French would get uh, Syria, which is like Syria and modern-day Lebanon, and the British would get Iraq and Transjordan and Palestine. Um, and then the Arab state would just be what is Saudi Arabia, which is basically a fucking wasteland. No one wants it. Uh, it's the New Jersey of the Middle East. Um, so he knows, uh, he knows of this agreement, but he's not, he's been ordered not to tell anyone about it, but eventually the guilt gets to him so much that he tells, uh, Prince Faisal, um which was technically an act of treason against Britain. <laughs> so good on you, I guess. Um, that led to um, his, probably his greatest achievement of the war is the Battle of Aqaba, which is a, uh, a town in uh, Jordan, which is considered like the gateway to Syria and to Damascus. Um, and he knew the British and French planned to seize it, knowing that... It would keep the Arabs to the south, and they couldn't make their way into Syria, and that would sort of diminish their claim to it. Uh, And so what Lawrence did is he took 45 troops and went around the back way through a gorge that the Turks controlled. Uh, He recruited people along the way, but it was a two-month, like, several thousand-mile journey where all of the rations they had was, like— a 40-pound sack of flour for each person and, like, water for each person. And so they come around from behind and massacre uh, massacre the Turks and the uh, the Arabs seize the city uh, before the British can. And so Lawrence runs to Cairo to tell uh, his commanding officer, who, uh... There was a new commanding officer uh, because their previous one, who was some dope with some fucking British name... Um, he was very much against supporting like the Arab uprising. Uh, the new commander was a man named commander Allenby. Um, and Lawrence told him what he did, uh, in seizing a and exaggerated the number of Syrian Arabs who would be willing to volunteer to help with the uprising. (laughs) He had Um, to make the pitch sound good, you know? Yeah. There was a, there was a quote from him, uh, I'm gonna paraphrase it because I, again, I don't have the paper with me. When he said, uh, "I told Allen B my plan," and he couldn't tell if I was performing or if I jan- if I was genuinely performing or if I was a charlatan, and I did not help him figure it out. <laughs>
1: um, he was especially confused when I lit a match and it cut to an <laughs> end scene.
0: Uh, yeah. Also, this is the Lawrence of Lawrence of Arabia. That's not a different dude. Same movie. Um, <laughs> This is also going to be four hours long. Uh, (laughs) The planned uh, offensive with the British troops and the Arabs, the joint offensive kind of stalled because a lot of the British troops in the Middle East were siphoned off to the Western Front as the war was progressing and more people were being gassed to death. Um, uh, Lawrence led sort of a guerrilla warfare campaign to blow up... uh, ottoman bridges on the hejaz railroad to uh you know deny them reinforcements and supplies and all that uh which a lot of the people at the time were like great they'll rebuild the railroad after the war and they never did
2: surprise Uh, syria still fucked yeah exactly
0: (laughs) um but he had a he had a strategy of like blowing up a bridge in a way that he called scientifically shattering it where the bridge didn't collapse, but it was impassable, so the Turks had to take the extra time to demolish the bridge before they could rebuild it, which is just such a dick move. <laughs> um, but then in 1917, uh, he's captured by the Turks during a reconnaissance mission, and he's taken to the city of Dara'a. Uh, and there he is tortured for a very long time, and, I mean should maybe put a content warning earlier on this, but he is subjected to sexual violence while he is tortured. um, By the governor himself, I believe. By the governor, the governor of the territory himself. Um, And he eventually manages to escape. um, But after that, he was very different. Um, He kind
2: of snapped. It sounds like.
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, He ordered, he would usually order his troops to take no prisoners Um, he, uh, he took very, like, suicidal risks. There was one story of him, uh, charging a Turkish troop train, uh, and his soldiers were so, uh, understocked that a lot of them only had rocks to throw at the Turks.
1: At artillery guns. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I also, uh, had heard that, while during the majority of his early life, he was described as... Pretty much completely uninterested in anything sexual, completely asexual, as far as most people could tell. After this event, he developed a weird masochistic streak, even describing the torture at times in sort of masochistic terms.
0: I that is not something I saw in the
1: Smithsonian. Where did I? Piece, but I would. Totally I actually buy that.
2: I stumbled across something similar to that story.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's. Desc- I think one of his biographers. Uh, In describing the beating at Dara, Lawrence wrote a delicious warmth, probably sexual, was swelling through me and later would hire guards to, uh, to administer beatings to him, hire military colleagues to administer beatings to him.
2: Well um perhaps one of our first kink people in history
0: (laughs) oh oh baby kinks have been around for a while (laughs) stay tuned that's gonna be uh that's gonna be our next is like the history of kinks Uh, the history of kinks is gonna
1: be our next segment and then the the rest
0: of the show until it ends (laughs) (laughs) until we're pulled off the air yeah um so there, there's one point when he's taking his troops for the city, through the city of uh, Tafas, which when the Ottomans abandoned it, they massacred the civilians. Um, and so Lawrence, sort of like very set off by this, um, again, ordered no prisoners and then turned machine guns on some 250 Turkish and German prisoners they had taken uh, and killed all of them.
2: It was my understanding that like anytime the Turks captured one of the Arab revolters, they weren't covered by the Geneva Convention, so they were often like not treated as an actual like prisoner of war. Mm-hmm. So they would they were just, you know, returning the favor in a way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Not to justify genocide. Still, still brutal, but <laughs> yeah. like
0: Um So he uh he and his Arab the Arab troops he worked with beat the British to Damascus by two days uh and when he got there he installed Faisal as king of Syria uh as he promised him he would uh but then 2 days later commander Allenby arrives and tells them no you, you can't do that um so Lawrence went with Faisal to the Paris Peace Conference to advocate for uh, an independent Arab state um which doesn't work there's one plan where um Lawrence forges a pact between uh, Faisal and Chaim Weissman, who is the leader a leader of a Zionist movement where the agreement was basically uh, the Zionists would support an independent Arab state and the Arabs would support a Jewish settlement in Palestine uh, sort of with the eye of creating an independent Jewish state but then uh, France, because that would interfere with their colonial plans, squashed that uh, which that's a, that's one of the biggest things in the story for me that's like, oh, I wonder how that could have happened differently.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of like how they're about ready to split up California into three states, you yeah, know? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> very, so very much kind of, of like that. So much similarity.
1: <laughs> By which you mean one right-wing wing nut put a thing on the ballot. Did you know the same guy a few years ago put a thing on the ballot to split California into like Six? seven states yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it and it seven, failed? Yeah. So now he's going for three? <laughs>
0: yeah, because the number of states is the problem. It has to be a prime number. That's his... <laughs> that's, that's his. He's obsessed with Basic, the Fibonacci sequence. It's, it's the number Basically, it's a plan yeah. to
1: put all the richest people in California in one state and kick everybody else off of their... Like, <laughs> yeah. What he you need to do
0: is uh, put a proposal on to split it up into 69 states because then everyone <laughs> would be like, yeah, <laughs> all right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I um, mean, I would kind of support that because then we'd have, what's 69 times 2, hundred and thirty-four. 158 uh, Senators from California (laughs) Um, And I think we would take the Senate back
0: (laughs) That's progress Yeah that's. (laughs) um, There was sort of a last ditch appeal To Woodrow Wilson um, Because the Americans sent Like a survey crew um, Who Determined that uh, The Arabs wanted A To exist in one unified Arab state um either that or like something that was more in line with like their sort of tribal and clan roots um or they wanted americans to run the middle east uh and wilson not wanting to get involved uh sort of like put that report in a drawer um so woodrow wilson again kind of fuck you um But uh, after the war, Lawrence became a celebrity in Britain. But also, the government viewed him as a subversive. Uh, they didn't like having him around, um, and he kept uh, he kept predicting that the the result of the Paris Peace Conference in the Middle East would lead to another war. And then, like in 1920, there's another Arab uprising that leads to 10,000 people dying. Uh, and so Winston Churchill installs uh, Faisal as king in Iraq and his brother Abdullah as king in Jordan. Um, Lawrence, after this point, decides he never wants to be in charge of...
1: That would have been a great reveal if you hadn't fucking spoiled it earlier.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. uh, Spider-Man dies. Um, So, Lawrence uh, says to a friend he never wants to be in charge of anything again. Uh, He adopts two fake names One, uh, John Hume Ross, and another, Thomas Edward Shaw. And uh, it's under both of these names that he enlists in the British military in various capacities as a private. Uh, He works as a mechanic uh, in the British Army for most of the rest of his life, or his career, I should say. Um, He retires to a 700-square-foot home in Dorset, uh, and then a couple weeks after retiring... Uh, He dies in a motorcycle accident uh, that people still debate if it was intentional or not. Um, And to just go back to the Smithsonian article for this one last thing, uh, they were talking to locals and um, they were trying to determine a lot of locals to this day still go back and forth between was Lawrence genuinely trying to help or was he just lying the whole time um as part of just like the british and french lies to to the arabs uh which kind of complicated his legacy in the region which i think is tragic because i genuinely believe he in his own way wanted the best for people uh for the arabs uh but that's uh That's the true story of T.E. Lawrence, Tedward Edward Lawrence. Or as he was known to his friends, Ned. Yeah, oh yeah, his his nickname was Ned. Uh, What a dweeb. Hello everyone, I'm Giles. I'm Emily. And I'm Michelle.
1: And we're the Beyond the Trope podcast.
0: Every week we delve into topics like pop culture, fiction writing, and other nerdy things. We feature laid-back conversations, bad puns, and in-depth interviews with authors, comic creators, and more. Find our show at beyondthetrope.com.
2: All right, so the uh, the real history of Lawrence very interesting. Uh, here I've got the uh, alternate history. I'm rambling, so hold on. Let me get back into this. <laughs> That's
0: fine. That's most of what we do.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, T. E. Lawrence, or as he was known to his friends Ned, that's mm. not made up history; that's real history. Uh, was born in August of 1888 in the Welsh suburb of Tremadog, Welsh, <laughs> which is basically the Aurora of Wales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The- <laughs> he was born into an upper middle class family to his parents, who were out of a wedlock. His mother was a wealthy governess, and his father, who was still married at the time of Lawrence's birth was an adulterer who, quote, loved chasing rich chicks. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, In
0: great British tradition.
2: In great British tradition, yes. Marry a governess. Uh, In 1896, the Lawrence family relocated to Oxford, England to enroll their son in Oxford High School with hopes of him one day attending (laughs) Oxford University. Mm. But young Lawrence was a fuck-up who (laughs) liked to skip class and drink beer and smoke pot, and he was only Mm -hmm. accepted into the local community college were from 1907 uh, to 1910... Oxford Community College. <laughs> at Oxford Community College, he studied chemistry and accident- accidentally synthesized and invented the drug we now know today as MDMA.
0: <laughs> is La- that ecstasy? Yeah, also okay. known as ecstasy. Yes, that yeah, is yeah. Ecstasy. I'm, just, I'm not that's a narc, I swear.
1: That's what the E and T.E. Lawrence stands for. <laughs> Time for
2: ecstasy, Lawrence.
1: <laughs> yeah. This DJ Uh name.
2: (laughs) Lawrence uh, tried to feed his friends this new party drug that he was so fond of, but they were all, quote, way too uptight and totally narcs. Mm -hmm. So he bailed and left for the Middle East, where he had heard whisperings of a bitching party
0: scene. (laughs) Yeah. When I think of when I think of very large drug fueled parties, I think of the Middle East in the early 20th century. Exactly,
2: exactly. It was the whisperings, you know, <laughs> off the radar. Uh, in 1911, he set out for the Middle East, but didn't bother learning Arabic until he got there. Mm. Um, that's a fact, actually. Uh, <laughs> Lawrence or Ned first arrived in Syria in 1911. He spent several years learning the language and couch surfing while attending music festivals. <laughs> where he shared his wealth of his new radical party drug, MDMA. (laughs) This is so ridiculous, I'm stumbling over it. (laughs) He shared this new drug with all the locals and made many friends with the local Arab people. During his time in Syria, Lawrence Gruder despised the Turkish overlords because they were, quote, narcs that were totally harshing the vibe.
0: <laughs> I feel like everyone in this story is going to be, all the antagonists in the story is going to be narcs. See, Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. There's I'm a lot of subtext here. <laughs> As his ankle monitor beeps <laughs> in the studio. In 1913,
2: Lawrence left Syria for Egypt to pursue his dreams of opening a desert-themed nightclub and discotheque.
0: Oh, is this Ishtar then? (laughs) Is (laughs) it?
2: Lawrence opened the world's first nightclub inside of a pyramid in Cairo (laughs) and ran a successful business until 1916 when he burned the limestone structure down to collect insurance money.
0: (laughs) I like that.
2: All right. All right. Uh, Later in 1916, Lawrence, again, or Ned, (laughs) returned to Syria where he met the prince of Syria, Prince Faisal. The first time Lawrence met Prince Faisal, the two were at their mutual shaman's house on an ayahuasca retreat. (laughs) (laughs) The shaman was from Boulder. Um, (laughs) The prince was enamored with Lawrence's lifestyle, especially the new drug MDMA, and the two grew to be close friends after spending three consecutive nights rolling their tits off. (laughs) 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 Prince Faisal... A a common phrase at the time. Oh, oh, yes, he turned the phrase. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Prince Faisal hired Lawrence as his personal party planner to the throne, and the two became best of friends. (laughs) They rode around the desert throwing tent parties at all the Bedouin camps, and and Lawrence quickly gained a reputation as the only, quote, white dude who could party like an Arab. (laughs) (laughs) The Arabs, again, known for their deep love of partying and drugs (laughs) and acceptance of party culture. Uh, Yeah. In 1917, Lawrence and the prince set out to throw the most bitching desert party the world had ever seen. This party would indeed prove to be legendary and shape the course of history for the Middle East and World War I. The party started with only 50 men who set out to go trip balls and eat peyote in the desert for a week when things I feel escalated
1: like I have rapidly. a guess where this is going.
0: <laughs>
1: What's that? I feel like I have a guess where this might be going. <laughs> Is, it ringing Is bells? some sort of burning man? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the party started with only 50 men
2: who set out to go trip balls in the desert for a week. And somewhere along the way, the party swelled to over a thousand. Somehow. <laughs> God damn it. I'm going to read that again. Sorry. I love no, this. go for it. All right. Somewhere along the way, the party swelled to more than 1,000 men and ended up lasting more than two months. The party accidentally resulted in the creation of the first Burning Man Festival. Yes!
0: <laughs>
2: With Lawrence's haggard two months in the desert outfit setting the tone for the festival's continuing wardrobe <laughs> for centuries to come.
0: <laughs>
2: the Burning Man Festival is actually named after Lawrence, or Ned, who during one night of partying. Yeah, it was
0: originally called the Nedstival, by the yeah,
2: Nedfest was the original oh, name of the best. festival. <laughs> Uh, after 60 days of partying in the desert, in the, the Thousand Burners, as they were now known, decided to visit the nearest beach town to, quote, decompress and chill out. <laughs> <laughs> the nearest beach town happened to be the Turkish port city of Aqaba.
0: <laughs>
2: Lawrence's men, the Burners, heard that the Turks had furnished the entire beach town with comfy Ottomans and chairs. it. <laughs> I forgot you
0: said that was coming. <laughs> Set up, knock them down. <laughs> they
2: figured Aqaba would be a really sweet place to hang and chill. Especially with the beach town vibes his best bro Prince Faisal who was super baller from his dad's oil money and his dad's used Mercedes dealership Rented every single hotel room in the town of Aqaba and banished the broke-ass Turk overlords who couldn't ball as hard as the prince (laughs)
0: Lawrence
2: or Ned opened a nightclub in the coastal city of Aqaba with his key investor Prince Faisal who proved to be a great success a lot of
0: club owners in our recent... Oh, yeah.
2: History. <laughs> he left a mark on the culture, you know. <laughs> uh, Wait, did for, you
1: clarify, uh, why was Burning Man named after uh, old Nettie? Oh, I think uh, you might have-
2: it's whispered that during one of the nights of partying for two months, uh, Ned stood too close to the fire and his Bedouin robes were set ablaze. And one of the Bedouins is like, man, you're totally burning. And, <laughs> and there you have and of it. of
0: course, with Arabic sentence structure, uh, it kind of... It's just Miss yeah, Burning it gets Man. It's lost in translation. Yeah,
2: yeah, it just synthesizes down. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for asking. I totally glazed over that. Uh, um, oh, yeah, the name of that nightclub in Aqaba was The Salty Sultans.
0: It was, <laughs> it, was, it was quite lucrative. I mean, that really sounds like a fish place. <laughs> fish oh. plays there to this day.
2: <laughs> uh, the nightclub lasted until the end of the war in 1918. Uh, because when the war ended in 1918, Prince Faisal was thrust into the throne as king and had to leave behind his party boy lifestyle, as well as his best bro, Lawrence, or Ned. <laughs> uh, king Faisal took over his father's country, as well as his father's oil company, and his chain of successful used Mercedes dealerships. <laughs> Faisal's motors. Uh, <laughs> Faisal <all. It>
0: <laughs> the, is the novelty license plate frame. That came with every car. Yeah, it, you can't get it off.
2: Uh, uh, after the nightclub l- closed, the Salty Sultan, Ned lost his 20% equity and returned back to the UK <laughs> <laughs> to sober up and find a new career path. Uh, as it turns out, eating ecstasy in the desert for the better part of a decade is pretty bad for you and it had taken its toll on young Lawrence, <laughs> who was now
0: deep into his 30s. I know. Four years or less, you're fine of just like straight ecstasy in 100 degree weather.
2: As long as you're studying while you do it, they balance each other out. But- and
0: there's not so <laughs> much water that you'll drink that you'll overhydrate. That's
2: not a problem there. Yeah. No one drinks themselves to death from water.
0: <laughs> uh, they say upon returning years, to the United Kingdom, months, Lawrence checked weeks. himself
2: That's into a celebrity rehab number. where he met Winston Churchill, <laughs> <laughs> who himself had been committed.
0: Wait, oh. sorry, what was that? You kind of froze uh, for a second.
1: I, I, go ahead. I I, I said four, uh, four months... Uh, Three weeks, two days or something. That's the <laughs> magic number. But uh, uh, there's a clean take of it in the audio if you want to use it. But go on. <laughs> uh, on i gonna...
2: go for it. All right. Uh, Lawrence checked himself into celebrity rehab where he met Winston Churchill, who had been committed himself for his chronic drinking habits. Lawrence remarked in his journals that Churchill was pretty fat and sort of a dick. <laughs> yeah.
1: Fat dick, Winston Churchill. Um, after- I think that was his Chiron on most uh, news at the time. I don't know
0: what to make of With this BBC's bloke. feeling salty. Yeah.
1: And then he'd say like, oh, but tomorrow I'll be a sober dick, but you'll still be ugly or whatever the fuck Winston Churchill
0: says. Winston Churchill, king of the cell phone also. Uh,
2: after rehab, Lawrence told everyone he was retiring from the party life. But all he really did was change his name and leave the country again.
0: (laughs) Classic party dude. In
2: 1926, Lawrence, or Ned, as he now legally changed his name to, (laughs) then moved to India to continue pursuing his dreams of opening a desert-themed nightclub. He stayed in India for 10 years eating various drugs and research chemicals, before finally going bankrupt and abandoning another failed chain of discotheques, the Salty Camel. Eating various drugs, as if (laughs) drugs are food.
0: (laughs) Kids today. Anyway. In
2: a little another known fact, uh, in 1934, Lawrence spent a brief stint in the United States. Uh, he visited what was then the Kansas Territory and established a rocking frat party at the local Kansas State University uh, after Lawrence left and named the town after him as Lawrence, Kansas. Also, <laughs> <God damn> it. <laughs> also,
0: 1934, it's still the Kansas Territory. <laughs>
2: oh, that was supposed to be 1834. Oh, okay. But, oh, no, wait. No, it is. I've, <laughs> you can tell which one of us studied history in this room and it's not me.
0: <laughs> we can leave that in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's fine. It's the alternate history. Any, no rules. Yeah, it's fine. Pride.
1: It could be the fucking Kansas interdimensional portal if you want yeah.
0: to <laughs> Rock Chalk Jayhawk,
2: bitch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, in
1: 1935,
2: Lawrence, or Ned, returned to England to retire again, for real this time. Mm-hmm. Upon returning to England to retire, Lawrence again changed his name, this time to T.E. Shaw, or as his friends now knew him, Larry. Uh, <laughs> Lawrence retired to his mountain cottage he named affectionately as Cloud Hills, oh, yeah. uh, in homage to his first discotheque he opened in Syria all those years ago.
0: <laughs> or the fat clouds he used to blow on his vape. <laughs> he started a vape culture, too. That's really one of the worst things about him.
2: <laughs> Not only did he steal all that culture, he started vaping. In May of 1935, Lawrence faked his own death in a motorcycle accident to avoid avoid paying back taxes on the numerous failed businesses (laughs) (laughs) he'd owned throughout the years. Hell yeah. Uh, um, History tells us that he returned to the Middle East uh, to live with his old best friend, the now King Faisal. Uh, Little is known of Lawrence, or as he was now known to his friends Ned or Larry, after his return to the Middle East. (laughs) He is rumored to have passed away peacefully after suffering a massive heart attack and overdose at Burning Man 1956.
0: <laughs> the end. Hell yeah! The standards for passing away peacefully on this podcast. <laughs> um, Was that not the first joke to make that? No, I feel like we've. I don't know. We may have. Or or we've right done there. like "died as he lived" jokes. It's right there. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I feel like a lot of "died as he lived." Which I, mm. um, <laughs> Josh, thank you.
2: Oh, thank you, gentlemen, for allowing me this the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, before, we, uh, before we move on to Judgment, uh, I just want to mention that The Revisionist is a proud member of the Denver Podcast <laughs> Network, along with such shows as uh, Voice of Montbello, which is legit one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, it's run by the students of McGlone Academy, uh, formerly Montbello High School, but all in the Montbello neighborhood, which is, if you don't know, Denver – uh, predominantly uh, Latinx and African-American, uh, and these students conduct interviews with a whole different range of people from politicians to cops to each other. Um, it's a really, really great show. Um, so check it out, Voice of Montbello. Uh, also, you can find us at revisionistpodcast.com where you can uh, leave us a comment or ask us a question. And uh, we ask that you review the podcast on your podcast service of choice. Uh, written reviews especially super helpful they help more people see us um, and hear us talk about different types of jizz uh, gonna <laughs> edit that out uh, also find us on social media facebook twitter instagram uh, josh you're on social media instagram especially right
2: yeah correct people could find me uh at joshua masek m-a-s-e-k facebook instagram is where i post most of my stuff
0: hell yeah um as for me, listeners, I have a I have a fiction piece in the upcoming issue of Cherry Magazine, uh, which you can find online also, uh, in addition to physical copies around Denver. Uh, search, Go to the Facebook page for Cherry Magazine. There's a picture of a cat, and it's adorable. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, as for me, listeners, uh, I recently uh, found a program that lets me play the 1996 game Diablo on my uh, Mac laptop, so I'm almost <laughs> done with that.
0: <laughs> you can find me doing that <laughs> uh, well also listeners uh, check out my new personal website flingcomedy.com uh, and yeah I think that brings us to Judgment
1: uh, okay so um, I T. Lord had a pretty uh, intriguing and amazing life it has to be said uh, very interesting very compelling I do really like also I mean the so that's that's a big plus for the real history. The alternate history has this weird, burned-out hippie kind of meets Tony Clifton sort of like lounge lizard dude who stumbles his way through life that I like a lot. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing: normally that would make it uh, a difficult choice, but this 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 battle got a spoiler in that there already exists in one of the most famous films of all time, an accurate enough account of the real T.E. Lawrence's life, and through the loophole, I don't think there's any reason to assume that movie would be different if we adopted the alternate history. I imagine the same movie would exist, but the man would be different. Because we did not specifically say different. More white dreads. Yeah. Yeah. So... For that reason, because we can retain the the real story of T. E. Lawrence and even have it be the popular version, because that movie still exists, we can make the real version, the alternate history, and have our cake and eat it too in this
0: particular right. round, this
1: particular round.
0: Zach, thank you.
1: Thank you, Zach.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, Josh, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Uh, for everyone here at the Revisionists, uh, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a good time.